spoil a strong man's house unless he first binds the strong man. Can I just tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? We are here to bind the strong man of this planet. That's why the church exists. Luke chapter 18, verse number 8 says, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? The question is not about God's willingness to move, but rather our willingness to persevere in faith based on his promises. The question is never about, is God moving? Is God doing anything? The question has to be brought back to the church. Are we operating in faith at the level that we have been designed to walk in? When you got born again, look at your neighbor and say, that's me now. When you got born again, you came into the kingdom of God. In other words, there was a cultural shift in your life. You just shifted cultures. You shifted domains. When you became born again, you went from the domain of darkness into his marvelous light. Colossians chapter 1 teaches us that. When, when, before you were born again, you lived under the domain of darkness. Where's all my Bible believing? Okay, y'all don't believe. Colossians chapter 1. Let's turn there real quick, guys. Throw that up there for me. Colossians chapter 1 says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. You see that? So whenever you became born again, we were transferred out of one domain and into another domain. We were transferred out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of light. There was a cultural shift that took place in our life. The, the kingdom of God, watch this now, has a culture. It's a culture that doesn't function like the world that we've been sent to. It's a different kind of culture. That means there's a different set of rules. <laughs> there's a different way that you work in the kingdom of God than the way you work in the earth. I'm trying to find some amens in here. Y'all making it tough for me today. When you don't understand the culture of a thing, it becomes difficult to flow in the same direction of a thing. If you don't understand the culture of the kingdom, then you try to take the culture of the domain of darkness and push it into the kingdom of light, and you try to make it work there, but it won't work there. But you can take the kingdom of light, the culture of light, and move it over into the culture of darkness, and you can shift that kingdom. Because the lesser is always lesser than the greater. The, the greater is always in working with more authority than the lesser. That's what Hebrews teaches us. So, so you, have, you have a greater authority working with a lesser authority. I'm trying to just make a few points here. I'm going to get to where I'm going. So, so when you have a greater kingdom and you, and you begin to operate according to the laws, the standards, the precepts of that kingdom, you can bring that kingdom, that reality, that invisible realm into this realm and overthrow the kingdom of darkness. 
Our world is being shaken right now because the church needs to wake up. The church, especially in America, has been really safe. And the reason why everything is shaking around us is because we have to be awakened to the fact that we possess more than what we're releasing. Amen. So, so, so when you don't understand the culture of a thing, then what happens is you begin to resist it. You begin to work against it. I've been to England many times. I've been to Jeff and I. I've been to Poland many times over there and preaching at conferences and pastoral things. And, and, and they have a different culture. In Poland and England, they drive on the different side of the road. <laughs> they need help. They drive, on a, they drive on the opposite side of the road. And, and if you don't understand the culture of that, it don't matter what we do here. When you get over there, you got to follow their rules. When you get over there, listen, I don't care how long you've been driving on this side of the road. When you get over there, you can't drive on this side of the road because it's called a head-on collision. So when, so when you get over there, you got to follow the culture. They have a different language. They have a different currency. England has the pound. Poland has zelates. We have the dollar. <laughs> Y'all ain't catching me yet. So if you don't flow in that culture, you're always going to be fighting that culture. And you're going to take what you already know and try to fit it into a culture that you can't change by yourself. But when you understand the culture of a thing, then you can flow with it and you can get a little bit further down the road. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, when you understand the culture of the kingdom, whoo, and you begin to understand that I have been sent, I have been authorized, I have been deputized by Jesus himself, and I've been sent on this planet to begin to release the authority and the power of God and create a culture of faith so that we can release the dimensions of God into the earth. Amen. Amen. So, 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 so the church is the agent of the kingdom that releases the will of God into the earth. It's the agent. It's, it's not the kingdom. It's the agent of the kingdom that releases the will of God. We are the visible representation of an invisible realm. The world can't see the invisible realm, but they can see the church. Amen. So therefore, part of the responsibility of leadership, headship, is to produce a climate or a culture of faith among the people of God. That's what I'm trying to do here today. Because ladies and gentlemen, I'm not intimidated by COVID. And I don't care if you're about to take your last breath, I believe God can raise you up. I'm not intimidated by sickness and disease and cancer. I'm not intimidated by any of that. I'm not even intimidated by death. I've laid hands on dead people. I've seen them raised twice. It don't bother me. Come on, talk to me up in here. But, but that we have to understand you got to get to that place. I've seen the blinded eyes opened up. I've seen the deaf ears unstop. I've seen people that have been lame get up and walk. Once you have experienced the culture of the kingdom, you're not intimidated by the culture of darkness. Once you understand that there is a superior authority that's at work in the earth, you're not intimidated by the known authorities in the earth. 
And when the church begins to understand, listen, this is, that's why we cannot be people that are just caught in compromise and we're just trying to hold it together like, oh, God, I hope, I hope it works out. No, we are the people of faith. We walk through, a, we walk through a, a world that has been subjected to the futility of man, and we walk through it with the understanding that we are the agents of deliverance. We live in a fallen world, so we bring light to the midst of darkness. We bring healing to those that need to be healed. We bring hope to those that are oppressed because we release the will of God and when you understand that I have been authorized to do this whoo, you begin to release a different level of authority into the earth so that becomes the responsibility to create a, a, a culture so part of the purpose of preaching part of the purpose of gathering is to build a faith culture that's why, that's why, that's why we gather so that we can build a faith culture where we can begin to declare corporately that anything is possible. Hallelujah. So what Jesus said in Matthew 9, 23, says all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. Amen. All things are possible to them that believe. So we begin to build a faith culture that believes that God can do a thing. That God can do a thing. And God will do a thing. Some of y'all been watching too much football on Saturday nights. Y'all got to stay with me. God will do a thing. God will turn it. <laughs> it's, this will be on the screen for you. It's unnatural for a Christian not to have an appetite for the impossible. God doesn't give us faith to make our life easier. He gives us faith to make our life effective. Huh? He gives us faith to make our life effective. And so when churches doesn't incubate or cultivate a faith culture, what it does is it produces tired, weak, non-possessing people. And rather than pressing forward and having forward momentum, we begin to digress. And we begin to stay spiritually paralyzed by the present conditions that we're living in. When faith is not cultivated, then there's no trust that God will do it. Amen. That's why I said dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. James 2.17 says, faith without works is dead. One translation says, faith without works is useless. Another translation says, faith without corresponding action is no good. So there has to be an action tied to what we believe. We don't just believe it in our hearts. We believe it in our actions. And so we understand that, that, that faith is a momentum. Faith is a force. The Bible says on four different occasions that the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 4, it says the righteous or the just will live by faith. Romans 1.17, the righteous man shall live by his faith. Galatians 3.11 says, and the righteous man shall live by his faith. Hebrews 10.38 says, The righteous man shall live by faith. So we live by faith. Are you tracking with me so far? So that means that my faith, I'm going to teach just a little bit and then we're going to preach it out. My faith then is always intact because it doesn't belong to the realm of my emotions. That's where I'm trying to get some of y'all right now because you're emotionally 
saturated by the oppression of the world. Because you ought to be slinging chairs right about now. You ought to be pulling something out of me right now, but you're tired and you're just, you're just going with the flow because you're affected by your emotions. But faith is not affected by our emotions because faith is not solical. Faith is spiritual. Woo. I can get excited and I can even get emotional about it, but my faith is not based on my emotions. My faith will work even when my emotions are hurt. My faith will work even when my emotions are disappointed. My faith can work even when I don't understand everything that's going on around me and I can't make two plus two equal four. But my faith is not relocated to the realm of the solical realm. My faith is not relocated to the realm of my mind. My faith is a spirit and I have the same spirit of faith. And when you understand that I can walk into any situation, I can even come into a sanctuary where there is hardly no praise, where there's hardly no fight to move to another dimension, I can still walk up in here and believe that God is everything that he said he is and God will do everything that he said we would do. I don't care what the doctor's report has said. I got faith to believe that his word is more powerful than the natural word. I've got faith to believe that I can walk into any kind of camp and not worry about the present conditions of the moment because I carry a spirit that's not of this world. I carry a spirit that has been sent from on high. I carry the culture of the kingdom and I'm not relegated to the way I feel about it. I may feel hurt. I may feel depressed, but I believe God in the midst of my pain. I believe God in the midst of my struggle. We got to have a people in the body of Christ. I'm telling you, we got to have a church that understands we can walk through hell and high water and still release faith. So my faith can work even when my emotions are unstable. Because how many know that the most unstable part of you is your emotions? It's the most unstable part of you. Faith doesn't belong. This will help you. Faith doesn't belong to the realm of logic. Faith doesn't belong to the realm of rationale. It don't make no sense. <laughs> it just don't make no sense. And we have been so subjected to the kingdoms of this world that if it doesn't line up logically, then we don't want to put no effort into it. But I'm trying to tell you, this thing is not of the world. This thing is of God. And God has never been subjected to the futility of mankind. God has never been subjected to the, to, to the fallen of a down world. God has always understood that mankind is the agents of deliverance to everything that the devil has. So faith is a spiritual force. Somebody shout it's a force. It's beyond my intellect. <laughs> my mind may not comprehend it, but faith will still work. Faith is a spiritual force because it's a spiritual issue. It's not a natural issue. I'm trying to teach you a little bit. Faith is of, of a man's spirit. It's not of his mind. It's not of your body. 
Faith isn't born out of the mind. Faith isn't born out of intellect. Faith isn't born out of your body. You can pump it, pluck it, suck it, tuck it, whatever you want to do. You could be Mr. Fine or Miss Fine. <laughs> or you could just be whatever. But it ain't born of your body. It's not born of your mind. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care if you spent your half your life in college. It don't matter if you have more degrees than, than a thermometer. <laughs> Faith isn't born of the mind. Talk to me up in here. It's not born of the mind. Faith is born of the spirit. That's why you can't make sense of it. And so what happens is God allows us to be challenged with circumstances and situations just to see and locate where our faith is. Because if you try to locate it in your mind, you're going to doubt. If you try to locate it in your body, you won't praise him. You'll just sit there. You just act like, well, I'm just going to get through this and get him to 12 o'clock and I'm going to get up out of here. That's just, a, that's just a body language. But there comes a time when you understand, I have been sent here by another power that has been invested inside of me so that when I walk up to the sick, I can lay hands on them and not think nothing of it and just believe the word of the Lord over their life. In fact, you have, and this is the worst time, when you, when you have been saying, there's people in here that's recovering from COVID. I'm telling you, when you're in that battle with COVID, Karen and I had it last year, I'm telling you, you, you don't feel like praying for yourself. That's when you got to have some real good intercessors. That's when you got to have some praying people. That's when you need a Janae to walk up into a hospital room and speak to your mom and say, you're going to live and not die, and you're going to overcome COVID in the name of that's when you got to have those kind of people surrounding you because your body is going to talk you out of your faith your mind is going to talk you out of your faith and you're going to say well I don't feel like it well it has nothing to do with your feelings faith is not born of the mind faith is not born of your feelings faith is born of your spirit and your spirit man is always on is always activated it's always moving so so, so, so man, how many know that man is a spirit that possesses a soul and lives in a body? Come on, that's 1 Thessalonians. That's what man is. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, man is a spirit that possesses a soul and we live in a body. So when you became born again, when your spirit was recreated, Reborn, regenerated. Our faith was activated. It wasn't activated in your mind. It wasn't activated in your flesh. It was activated in your spirit. Are you tracking with me? This will be on the screen for you. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, help me guys, 2 Corinthians 4.13. Y'all back there? Help me out. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, but having the same Spirit of faith, right? Is that up there? Having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I speak. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Somebody shout the same spirit of faith. Notice we have the same spirit of faith. So now we have the same spirit of faith, so we speak. Watch this now. When we speak, we don't speak according to our mind. 
We don't speak according to what we think. We speak according to what he has said. Amen. Amen. Just trying to help this church understand because, listen, COVID ain't going away. You're going to have to learn how to battle it. You're going to have to learn how to battle it. It's going to be like the flu. It's always going to be there. It's just going to be other strands. It's going to be other variants. You're waiting for a miracle drug. God's waiting for you to speak the word. God's trying to raise the body of Christ so you can live in the midst of death and diseases but have the power of God's word over it. So, so, so you don't speak your mind because the moment you try to get in your mind, you're going to revert back to doubt because your mind is going to look at the natural evidence. Your mind is going to look at the surrounding circumstances and you're going to try to speak the mind of yourself and the mind in you can't change nothing. But we don't have the mind of ourselves. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. So when we speak, we speak according to the word of God. Now there's a difference between talking and speaking. When I speak, I speak according to the word of God. You ever had to prophesy to yourself in the mirror? You ever had to just get up and snap yourself in place and say, you ain't going to act like that? Maybe somebody should do that for you. <laughs> you, you ever had to just say, no, you ain't going to think like that. Uh-uh, no, you're not going to give in to that. And you have to, you, you, listen, if you don't practice this, if you don't work this, then every domain of darkness, every level of darkness will begin to work in your mind and you'll start believing the report of the world versus the report of the Lord. So when we speak, we speak according to to what is written. He said, we don't have, we, we have the same spirit of faith, therefore we speak. We speak according to what has been written. The spirit of faith is believing in the heart or the spirit and speaking with the mouth. That's what Romans chapter 10 says. Confession, for with the heart man believes, right? With your spirit man believes, and with confession salvation is made. You don't believe with your head, you believe with your heart. You believe out of your spirit. For with the heart or with the spirit, man believes. And with confession of his mouth, salvation is attained. That's how you get born again. You get born again by confessing with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And what you believe in your heart comes out of your mouth. Just track with me. A little bit of teaching here. So, so, so biblical faith is not mental assent. Biblical faith is not intellectual agreement. Faith is a spiritual force that grows and develops in the heart of man or in the spirit of a man. Therefore, real faith, real faith from God's word, that's what real faith is. It comes from God's word. He, uh, Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One translation says, faith is activated by the hearing of God's word. That's why when you hear more negative than you read, 
Guess what gets fed the most? Guess what comes out the most? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's why corporate gathering is always essential. Because you've got to sit under the word to hear something that's contrary to the way the world's been indoctrinating you. Amen. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith gets activated by what we hear. That's why it's important as believers that the word of God doesn't just become something that we do when we got time or when we feel like it. You have to discipline yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you have to make it a priority to learn God's word. You don't even know what the will of God is apart from his word. Faith is released where the will of God is known. If you don't know it's God's will for you to be healed, you won't confess that. You'll confess the last report that you got. It's what my wife, my wife watched my wife on the phone like, like 30 times a day praying over people. And she keeps saying this. I hear her. Sometimes I'll be walking by or whatever. I hear her in another room. She'll keep saying, listen, you just got a report, and that's factual. But that's not the truth. You got a report, and it contains an element of facts. That's what, that's what they have diagnosed you with. But the truth is, by his stripes, you are healed. Woo! I'm telling you, you got to learn how to throw it back into the enemy's camp. So God's word now, just look a few more minutes, and then we're going to let it go. God's word has the ability to produce a spiritual force within our hearts called faith. Now watch this now. As we hear, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As we hear the logos, the logos of God, which is the written word of God, it begins to develop faith inside of us. And we start believing it, right? Then as we begin to speak the logos, the written word of God, as we begin to speak it, as we begin to speak it out, then that logos becomes rhema, which is the said or the spoken word of God. It's the rhema of God. Logos, which is where we get our English word logic. The logos of God is the logic of God. So if you want to know how God thinks, you've got to know what he says. <laughs> it's, the logos, it's the logic of God. And how many know that God's logic is not the same as our logic? Because God's logic don't make no sense in the natural realm. But it's logic to him. So we have to learn how to put our trust in the logos of God, the written word of God, to the point that we begin to believe it so that we can begin to declare it. Now the logos, the written word of God, becomes the rhema, the said, or the spoken word of God. That begins to activate the power of God. And once you speak it, now the power of God gets activated over what you said. Not what you think. Because faith doesn't belong to the realm of thought. Faith belongs to the realm of the spirit. That's why when we speak a thing, God does a thing. Amen. Amen. So, 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 so here, here's, how, how, here's how it works. Um, maybe if I can get some guys to help me. Pastor Porter and Pastor Corey, you guys know. If we can get that, that whiteboard right there. Let me just try to break it down a little bit more here. 
Here's how we as believers need to order our world through faith. Um, I'm going to get my assistants here to help me. Please don't fall. We have no insurance. I tell you what, can you go up one more? Maybe that might be a little better. Can we just go up? And we didn't really rehearse this very well. The, uh, the, going up, Pastor Porter. There you go. Just, yeah, all the way up. Just, yeah. I just don't want you to fall, and then I got to take care of Sailor. <laughs> okay, thank you. That's great. Thank you. Now if I can get my wonderful assistant, Miss uh, Vanna White, I mean, Miss Melissa Martinez, to come on up here. Come on, give hands for all these people that are helping us here. Okay, so, so, so I'm going to give her instructions. She really don't know what we're going to do yet, but she's going to follow, okay? So, so here's how believers order our world through faith. Are you ready? Many times our world is ordered through a pie. Everything gets separated. Everything gets segmented or everything gets compartmentalized. So Melissa's going to draw us a wonderful pie. Okay, here we go. Here we go, Sophia. We're gonna see how we do this. Yeah, just yeah, just just just. just I, I normally work alone, but just work with me, all right? Just let, let me preach, and you just kind of do what you do right there, okay? All right, there. Uh, okay, there you go. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, you're doing good. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. Yeah. Just we're going we're gonna make some slices. We're gonna make some slices. About eight slices is what we need. About eight slices. Yeah, eight slices. Come on, give her a great big God bless you. She's doing well. Okay. So, so let, let me make sure I get this right. So, so, so our life is cut up like a pie. So, so in one section over here, you got, let's just say, social life. Just put, yeah, social life. Just kind of put social in there. Uh, and just maybe just put in parentheses, uh, dating. Maybe dating. Yeah, like who you, who you want to marry. That's your social life. Okay. So then, then we have another part of our life called financial. We just, it's another apartment of our life. It's financial. So we're just going around the board there. <laughs> financial. So we're just moving. That's because this is how our life is divided up. And then we have our educational life. So we just put in educational there. And um, we just, our life is segmented. It's, it's compartmentalized. That's the way we're, then we got, okay, we, another part of our life is our work life, right? We got a work life. These are just some. These are just areas. There's probably more. I'm just picking on some main topics here. So we got here. Let's just put on there a relational life. You know, we got relationships, you know. There's, it, it, it's a little bit beyond social because we don't, we don't date everybody. Well, some people date everybody, but we don't date everybody. Uh, so, so we got social, financial, educational work. Uh, how about family life? We got family life. Let's put up family life. Are y'all getting this so far? Family life, work life. Uh, uh, how about hobbies? Let's put some hobbies up there. Everybody got some hobbies, you know? Somebody said, no, my hobby is working. <laughs> okay, and then let's just put on our other part, part of our life is church life. Yeah, church life. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. So, all right. So, so now, if just, just stand right there to the side. Don't, please don't fall. Um, and so, so that, that's kind of how we compartmentalize our life. And so, so, so we got all these areas in our life, and there's probably more, and you can think of whatever, and you can just however many pieces of pie you want to cut up. And so you got social, financial, we got education, we got work, we got family, relationships, hobbies, and, and, and then we got, you know, church life or faith life. And then, but what happens is 
all of these things stay segmented apart from faith. And that was never the design of God with your faith. Faith is not one, sli one slice of the pie. The problem with is that when everything stays separated, nothing becomes influenced by faith. You got it? No nothing ever becomes influenced because, because faith is not a slice. Your faith life is not a part of your life. It's not, your, your faith life should be central to every part of your life. Most people put their faith life in church. But in the reality of it is, our faith life should be, is this, should be right here. And you got a different color. In, yeah. So let's just draw a hub right there. And then just put in the middle of that hub faith. Your faith life is not a segment of your life. Your faith life is central to everything in your life. So, so when your faith life is right, can I have one of those? Uh, when your faith life is right, then it works in church. It works with my dating. Because I don't want to get hooked up with the wrong jack leg. Huh? Talk to me up in here. I'm telling you, I watch, I watch more Christians go under the rug because they, they start dating somebody and say, well, I'll get them changed. No, you won't. You will not change them. If they won't even come to church with you now, you're not going to change them later. But we just compartmentalize it. Well, that's just, that's my social life. How many of that faith works in your finances? It works in, that's what Pastor Corey was talking about, about the offering. Will a man rob God? How we robbed you with tithes and offerings. If you won't honor God with the first fruit of your life, you're not going to have a you're not going to have a very good relationship with the Lord. Because if you can't trust Him with your money, you're not going to trust Him with your life. So it works in our financial. It works in our education realm. Come on, we can preach all these things. It works in our work life. Huh? You're not an undercover Christian. You should, be, you should be a city set on a hill. Everybody on your job ought to know there's something different about that joker right there or that girl right there. It's like nothing can get them down. They come in here and they're praising God no matter what. Works in your relationships. Everything. I'm just working families. I mean, you know you got to have faith for your family. Y'all got some outlaws and in-laws like I got, you know, just all kinds of stuff going on. You got to have faith for them. My family don't dictate the move of God in my life. I'm dictating the move of God in their life. Waiting on you. It works in my hobbies. I could really preach on that, but I don't want to take a whole lot of time. But anytime your hobbies take you away from the local gathering. If your hobbies are always pulling you away from church, you need to change hobbies. That's good. I have to go. Okay. And we got so many people that just, we do our hobbies. Like, like Sunday's the only day we can do them. Let me say to some of you parents that are involved in a lot of travel ball, guard it. Guard it with your kids. Because if you keep pulling your kids, because they can't be involved in everything. I know some of you think they can, but I'm going to tell you, 
It's 0.001% that actually make it to any professional league. But what they will have to face is eternity. And you keep building them a culture without God, and then you want them to serve God when they get older? Well, you have built into them a culture that says God ain't important. So faith is not a slice of the pie. I don't just release my faith when I come to church. I release my faith in every area of my life. Because my faith matters. Because I have a culture of faith. Amen? So it's possible for a church to have a culture of faith, but you may not have a culture of faith at your house. You might have a culture of dishonor. You may have a culture of disrespect or a culture of rebellion or a culture that's built on problems rather than solutions. This will be on the screen for you. Whatever remains untouched by faith remains unchanged. So if my faith ain't touching every area of my life, nothing changes. Praise the Lord. I am way, I'm sweating way too hard than way what I need to be right now. If y'all knew how nervous I was right here. It, it's, 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 it's because we, we create cultures, segments of our life that's apart from faith, and that's how God never intended it. I don't serve God because I go to church on Sundays. I serve God because he exists in me. He's alive and well on the inside of me. And see there, and, and y'all can just help me think about this. You can think of people in your own mind, but there are so many people whose orientation is built around being problematic. Don't, don't just keep looking in here. Don't look at nobody now. How many, know, how many know sometimes when people don't have a problem, they become a problem? Because they're just looking for a problem. So the momentum of their house, because not, the, this house can have a culture of faith, but your house may not have one. So you have to learn how to create a culture of faith in your house so that the momentum of your house is not wrapped around problems. The momentum of my house is wrapped around believing that all things are possible. So, 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 so what happens is people stay alive or they live out their life in the same problems over and over and over again because nothing ever gets touched. Nothing ever gets touched by faith. It's just like, I mean, people who are in chronic financial hard times because they never release faith into their finances. You can have a good job and be in debt up to your mama's neck. <laughs> uh, you can have a real good job and not have nothing because faith isn't touching that. Huh? You, you can have a good educational life. You could own a good business. You could have a good work ethic. But if faith ain't touching it, you stay on the hamster wheel. Amen. So that's why faith has to touch everything in our life. That means our faith has to be activated. Let me show you a scripture. It has to be employed. Look with me. I'm about done, and now I'm going to let y'all go. So Luke 17. Luke 17. Look at this passage of scripture, Luke 17, chapter 5, and the apostle said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith, and the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this uh, mulberry tree, King James says, sick of mine tree, look at your neighbor and say, you sick of yours? (laughs) (laughs) 
It said, it said you said this sycamore tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, watch how it goes. He's asking if the, the, the apostles are saying, Lord, increase our faith. So, so Jesus is about to drill down on them. I mean, y'all, y'all think sometimes I'm a little tough kind of preacher. You should have had Jesus in your life. He would drill down you on a heartbeat. He, would, he, he spins around, and after he said, Lord, increase our faith, he said, all right, boys, y'all want to learn how to increase your faith? This is how we're going to do it right here. He said, but which, but, uh, verse number seven, which of you, having a slave or a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he comes in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? He ain't going to say that. But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me. Somebody shout, serve me. While I eat and drink and afterwards, then you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded. Does he? He's trying to teach him. This is how you increase your faith. Just like it's the duty of a servant to serve his master. It's the duty of your faith to serve you. Which of you having a servant that says, come in and eat without me eating first? That's what he's trying to say. He said, just like it's the duty of a servant to serve his master, it's the duty of your faith. That's why he says, when you take that seed, that mustard grain seed, it won't work if you don't activate it. It won't work if you don't get it engaged. It won't work if you don't get it planted. You have to take the measure of faith that you have and you have to work it. You have to get it planted. Then you can say to this mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea. So you have to activate the faith that you have. Now somebody said, well, I don't have a lot of faith. A lot of faith. He, uh, Romans says, God has dealt unto every man a measure of faith. You can't even get saved without faith. So you had to have faith to get saved. But the way your faith increases, because that was the prayer of the apostles, right? Lord, increase our faith. He says, this is how you're going to do it. You've got to take the seed. He's talking about taking the seed and getting it planted. You've got to take that measure of faith, and you've got to get it employed. You've got to give it an assignment. You've got to put it to work. And the more you put it to work, the greater it becomes. Amen. This is where the, watch, I'm, please don't get offended at me. Please. But this is the problem with the American church. We had it so good without having to believe God for anything. And God's calling the church back because, ladies and gentlemen, the times, the signs of the times are not going to get better. But what gets better in the signs of the time is the power of the church. The signs of the times are going to continue to decrease. The more we get to approaching of that day of the Lord, the signs are going to continue to get worse. And if you're looking for a safe America, if you're looking for a little safe Christian home where you can go back to and work your nine-to-five job and think everything's going to be okay, you're going to miss the part that God has created you to be so that you can survive in the craziest times of this planet. That's why he's doing this. And God, listen, I, just, I said something to some pastors the other day because they're like, oh, we don't, you know, just, just people just like, they don't know what to do. I'm like, why did you sign up for this? We didn't get into Christianity to be safe. 
There's no place in the Bible where Christians were safe. They were martyred. They had their heads cut off. God is looking for people that will begin to rise in the midst of the chaos. I know you want the world to go back to being safer, but it's not. It's not going to happen. I don't care how much you pray and bind. It ain't going to happen. It's the signs of the times. We're living in it. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, diseases, and plagues in diverse places. It's happening. But what the church is, the church learns how to cultivate a culture of faith. And we stand in the midst of it, not moved by it. Whew. So God is calling for a faith people. So anything that's not touched by faith never gets changed. Let me finish with this. In our text, the servant. The servant was at home paralyzed, indicating that he wasn't moving. He had no forward momentum. He was paralyzed. And the centurion came to Jesus. He said, I got a servant at the house. Notice the wording of it. He said, I got a servant at the house, but he's paralyzed. Apparently, he hadn't been paralyzed all of his life. Because you can't serve and be paralyzed. Apparently, at one point, he had momentum. Apparently, at one point, he had some movement. Because he's a servant. Back in those days, you didn't hire paralyzed people. So, at one point, he was activated. So at one point, he had some movement. So at one point, he was serving. He said, my servant is at home, but he's paralyzed, indicating there was a time when he wasn't paralyzed, but now he is. The reason why we have to sustain a culture of faith is because if we're not careful, we'll end up with servants in the house who are paralyzed with no forward progress. There was a time when they were activated. Come on, talk to me. There was a time when they were moving with the things of God. There was a time when they were serving in the things of God. But now they've been paralyzed. Now there is a spiritual paralysis. And you can blame it on the times. You can blame it on your circumstances. You can blame it on the difficulties. You can blame it on your failed marriage. You can blame it on your wayward children. But nevertheless, it's a situation in your life that has caused spiritual paralysis. There's no forward progress. And the danger, watch me now, just keep loving me. Give me three minutes, I'm going to walk up out of here. The danger of paralyzed servants is that they can carry a sense of entitlement. When you have paralyzed servants in the house, they carry a sense of entitlement in the house. And they want everybody to do it for them. And they stay spiritually immature. We don't have to preach about that hard today because we live in an entitlement culture. I mean, you ain't got to look. Nobody wants to work, but they want what you got. That's entitlement. They don't want to pay the price to do or to get what you got, but they want what you have without paying the price. That's entitlement. I love everybody. But listen, if you got the ability to work and you won't work, I don't care if you go hungry. I really don't. I don't care. Starve. 
I don't care. It don't bother me. It really don't. Because, because God has put into every man a measure of faith. And you got the ability to work. You need to be working. Ain't no free handouts. Are you kidding me? You say, oh, I can't believe you said that. That ain't like Jesus. The Bible was the one that said if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. <laughs> so I don't, I don't get caught up with people. I don't, I don't buy into pity parties. I don't buy into hard times because if I push this microphone around to people in this congregation, they can stand up and they can testify about some hard times. They can talk to you about how some tough roads were in their life. They can tell you about the struggles in their life. They can tell you how people abandoned them, how people left them. They can tell you about family members dying unexpectedly. They can tell you about the tough situations that they had to work through. But you know what? They still standing. They still giving God praise. They're still worshiping him because it wasn't about what God could do for me, but it's about what I'm going bring to the table and what we need in the body of Christ we got to break open the paralysis that's going on in America the danger of that is that you become entitled so you end up staying immature just trying to be pastoral maybe a little here we want to pray I want to pray for you Mine and Karen, I mean, we have, we have stood up, my wife more than me, stays up to 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning praying for people on the phone. I mean, this goes on. This goes on in our house. It's nonstop. It's like I never leave church. <laughs> it's always going. Then she puts praise music on while I'm going to sleep. It's like praising all the time. My God, we're just going to praise the Lord and we're going to pray all night. It never stops, does it? It's always. But what do you do when you can't get a hold of me? What do you do when you can't get a hold of her? You don't carry a junior Jesus. You don't have a junior Holy Spirit. And sure, we want to pray. Sure, I want to know. Please tell me. Don't don't hold back because I said that. But I'm just saying there's going to be times in your life when you can't get a hold of the people that you want to get a hold of. But there's one who sticks closer than a brother. There's one whose name is above every other name. I might can throw a prayer out there for you, but there's one who ever liveth to intercede on behalf of the saints. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's constantly interceding over his bride. He's constantly interceding over his people. That's who you ought to be praying for. That's who you ought to be praying to. That's who you ought to be reaching out to. Because if not, you stay immature. Stay immature. And what happens is now when you, when you stay immature, you, you start pulling everybody into your corner. Like you got the only issue going on. <laughs> like you're the only person that's got somebody in your family that needs prayer. But you never invest your life into somebody else's family who needs prayer. Because how many know it's easier to drag somebody down than it is to push somebody up? That's why God's calling for a culture of faith. This is, this is, I'm going to close right here for real. <laughs> Jennifer Johnson's looking at me because I gave her the message on how I close at Titus's wedding. She, she, she knows I just bought five more minutes. That's what she, she, she's that shy. Yeah, I got this. It's a psychological thing. Somebody say culture of faith. That's the culture that the centurion was raised in. 
he understood it. Because he said, when I go to this one, go, say, when I say to this one, go, he goes. When I say this one, come, he comes. He said, I too am a man under authority. I know how authority works. Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. I understand authority. And if you'll just release the word, because I have built a culture of faith around my life. I understand how culture works. I understand how faith works. You don't have to take the time to walk into my house and pray for my servant. All you got to do is speak a word right here, right now, and whatever you say, whatever you release will affect my servant that's back at home. He was raised in a culture that understood that if a man in authority speaks, everything under that authority had to be moving. That's what he was raised in. This Roman officer understood how authority works. He had men under his command, and he didn't have to be present for them to obey his orders. No more than Caesar had to be present for him to obey Caesar. Oh, my Lord. Y'all missed it right there. Y'all should be throwing books and babies right here. I'm just trying to tell you that I, I don't have to be there. Caesar don't have to be here. I understand authority, and I'm under authority, so when I speak authority, authority is released. That's what he was saying to Jesus. This is the culture I live in, Jesus. You don't have to come. Just release a word. I'll grab that word by faith, and I'll believe it in my culture, and whatever you say over my servant, thy will be done. I'm just trying to tell some of us today, when you start operating in a faith culture, you start commanding, you start declaring the word of God over circumstances, not out of your mind, not out of your body, but out of your spirit. Come on, get up on your feet and give God a praise. I'll quit right there. Come on, Pastor Porter. Come on, look at somebody and tell them, you got the authority. You got the authority. Just speak the word. And everything in my culture will shift. This is what I felt, man, I felt this so strongly. I, I, got, I actually got another message here that we've been working on. We were in a series, but I was telling Pastor Porter and these guys at the end of the, the funeral yesterday, he said, he said, you know what direction you're going in? I said, man, I'm, I feel something. I feel, I, feel, I feel prophetic. I feel something prophetic because I believe God wants to release, release a culture of faith, and we want to start telling those things that are paralyzed, you got to get up. We want to start speaking to those things that have no movement. you got to start moving. you got to get up in the name of Jesus. There's things in your house that needs to get up. Come on, talk to me. There's things that you got to get back up. You got to get back engaged. You got to engage your faith. So that's what we're going to do. And I said all that, that part, to get to this point. As many of you know, and we'll pray to all of it at the same time, we're in advance to calls. Because we got to get a building up. I'm telling you, I've never been so determined in my life more than anything. I've never felt God more than I've had right now in this season in my life. The forces of hell are barking as loud as they can. The challenges of the enemy are coming as hard as they can. I mean, last week, last week in this house, in this house, we, we had more people at prayer meeting than we had at church on Sunday. It's just a challenge of the world that we're living in. But you know what? God gave us a word. God gave us a promise. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe, and I believe God. So we, we, we're, in, we're, we're, in the, we're in the midst of everything. Let me just say this to you because we're about to receive our, our, our advance to cause offering. 
we, we began, I launched the first message at the end of May, the last Sunday of May, I launched the Advance the Calls offering, and we took, we took control of it in June. Since then, since June till now, over $18,000 have come in already. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise. $18,000 have come in. We have sent that. When we started, when we started this, we had a debt of about $736,000. Our debt now is, is like $690-something. Thank you, Lord. That's in three months. In three months, we reduced it. So th this, this is what we've been challenging everybody with. And you know, y'all know me. We, we're not going to knock on your door if you don't give. Uh, I mean, that, that's a bit between you and the Lord. Miss Nancy, Mr. Wayne, they, they know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fine check none of that stuff. I just I look at bottom lines. They send me the, the bottom line figures, and that's what I go by. I, I, I'm not I'm not soul patrol here trying to see who's giving and who ain't because I don't that ain't my business that's your business amen, amen. so we, we started out we're saying you know what we need 120 people that will give $1,185 every four months that's how we started out we need 120 people 120 given units maybe not people because if you're family you're a unit we need 120 given units that will give $1,185. That breaks down, when we started at the end of May, that breaks down to $74 a week. You can't go out to eat twice a week for less than that. Now, maybe if you're single, you might be able to. But if you've got, if you, if you got Martinez kids hanging on you, You can't go out at all. <laughs> you grow in your own vegetables in your backyard. That's what you do. Seriously, I mean, so, 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 so we broke it down. It's like, it's, it's, listen, I'm trying to say, this is so easy, you don't even need God involved. All you got to do is sacrifice a little self-pleasure. All you got to do is make his kingdom the priority. You say, why, why are we making a big deal about building a building? It's because, you know what? When we started this ministry 30 years ago, many of you weren't here. But we started it in faith knowing that you were coming. And you know what? Another 30 years from now, we ain't going to be here. But somebody else is going to be standing right here in our shoes. They're going to enjoy the air conditioning and the building that we provided. They're going to enjoy the ministry that we put in place. So that's how we started. That's how we keep going because we're going to build a building for the glory of God. And, and we're not far from it. I mean, we're, we're, we're like, we started out with 20 months. We're down to what? 16 months. 16 months, and we'll be debt-free with everything on our property. Thank you, Lord. 16 months. And then we, I, I've already started talking to the engineers over in Fort Myers. We're working right now. We're working right now. I'm saying, let's get some building plans put together because this thing is on an emergency rail. We're moving fast. Amen? So we, we planned this. This is not, not anything new. If you're visiting here today, you have no obligations to any of this. This is for our covenant partners, people that say, I want to partner with you. We want to believe God. Every dime that comes in in this Advance the Cause offering, I promise you, next week, Miss Nancy will cut a check, and it will be sent to the bank. It gets sent to the bank next week. Next week it will be sent to the bank. We're not holding it. We're not hoarding it up. We're paying it off. We're paying it off as it comes in. That's the way we've been working. We've already, we've already spent sent in nearly $12,000. we got another $6,000. we are fixing to put in Pastor Carlos' work with some numbers for me this morning before church. By the way, on Friday, he has surgery. He gets his thing taken off. So he'll be back in service. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Vanessa's about to run around the church right here. So, so everything's moving good for him as well. So we thank God for that. But So we want to pray. 
I brought mine, mine and Karen. Karen, come on if you don't mind, baby. Help me. We're going to pray. We're going to pray over this because we're going to set the precedent of, of where we're going, what we're believing God for. So we have our, we have our, 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 our money's here. It's, 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 it's what we set out to do. It's, it's over that $1,000 mark. It's just something that Karen and I put in our heart to do because we're just, we're invested in it. I'm not telling you to do something I'm not doing. You can ask Wayne and Nancy. They see my stuff every week. I put it in. I put it in every week. So, so we're investing with you. Amen. So take your, your, your advance the calls offering if you have a device, however you got it. We're just going to pray over it now. Some of you have already been given, and that's fine. You don't have to feel that pressure because you've been given every week. So, Father, we thank you today, Lord, that as we stand on holy ground, as we stand between heaven and earth today, Lord, as we stand in the midst of a realm today, God, there are families that are sacrificing. There are families that are giving. There are families that are sowing sacrificially. And, Lord, this isn't just a fly-by-night deal. Lord, this is not something that doesn't make sense in the, in, in, in the realm of the Spirit, but, God, it's something that's going to make a difference. So, Father, this morning, as we bring our first advance to calls, uh, corporate offering, Lord. Many people have already been given. We've been praying over those weekly. But, Lord, this week, we're bringing our first Advance the Calls offering to make a significant impact into the place that you've called us to be. So, Father, right now, Karen and I agree over families. We agree over homes. We agree over businesses. And Lord, we just declare blessing. We declare prosperity in the name of Jesus. There will be no lack in nobody's house. There will be no lack in nobody's business. There will be no lack in nobody's job. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for increase, supernatural increase. And, Father, we declare we have a faith culture. Lord, we declare that paralysis is about to be healed. We declare today that something is about to move. Something is about to shift. Something is about to get up. You sent your word. And, Father, we have a culture to believe that we are, too, people under authority. And we believe that the Word of God is at work. The Word of God is working in homes. It's working in lives. In the name of Jesus. Now, just help me agree. There are people who are fighting COVID. There are people who are fighting diseases. There are families and friends. God, we take our stand. We take our stand against every disease. We come against it in the name of Jesus Christ. We come against those loved ones that are in the hospital. Lord, we take authority over their condition now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that the word of God, you sent your word and you healed us of all of our diseases. So, Father, we thank you and we give you praise. We thank you. Come on, I believe miracles are flowing. Miracles are moving. There's a shift in the realm of the spirit. There's a breakthrough. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. In the name, in the of, name Jesus. of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. And Father, we thank you. And we give you praise for it now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody together said amen. And amen, amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord as we bring it. We worship the heavens. I lift my 